You're listening to Women Making Waves. I really worry about the problem of refugees and how they survive. I don't think you're, you're ever prepared for coming to Calais. It's a very unique situation, so it's, it's quite different. So this is essentially a political crisis. And the reason why people here is because of politics. And I passed through here and I meant to stay for two weeks just to, to be useful. And two years later... <laughs> The refugee crisis in northern France has gone quiet at the moment. Large camps like the jungle were dismantled by the French authorities and President Macron has said France won't allow another refugee camp to form. This is an attempt to put refugees off from making their way to the area. Surely then the crisis is over. So we wondered why local agencies such as CAMCRAG, the Cambridge Convoy Refugee Action Group, were still in business and still visiting Cali regularly. So Cambridge 105 radio presenter Neil Whiteside and I joined a weekend convoy to find out what was going on. It became clear that there were a lot of women who'd gone to France to help the refugees and I was particularly interested in speaking to them. This is what I found. I think we're just at the start of the refugee crisis. There's millions of people on the move, displaced people within their own countries and that have fled their countries. We've got wars still raging all over the world. We've got famine. We've got climate change. We've got dictators. We've got torture. We've got discrimination. And while all those things are present in countries, we will have people fleeing them. And we should, as human beings, welcome them and try and appease the situation in any way that we can. That last voice you heard was Janie, one of the people who set up the Refugee Community Kitchen. The work of supporting the refugees takes place in a large warehouse in the outskirts of Cali. It sits in a row of other warehouses and looks no different to the rest. Large metal gates remain closed, opening only to allow cars, vans and lorries in and out. Inside the warehouse, there's the Refugee Community Kitchen, referred to as RCK, and a storage facility for the sorting and distribution of clothing, shoes and equipment. As you enter the warehouse, you see notice boards covered in useful information about the activities that go on in the warehouse and how the place works and general kind of graffiti and humour. Volunteers who'd arrived to work over the weekend were welcomed and asked to choose which area they wanted to work in. There were lots of people from Cambridge on this weekend because Camcrag had arranged their convoy. I followed the crowd who were going to sort out clothing and Helena told them what to do. Afterwards, I caught up with her and I asked her how long she'd been volunteering with the charity. I was here in 2016-17 for nine months and so I've come back for four months this time before I go to uni again. Because you were organising the people that were sorting out clothing on yes. their own. Yes, yes. Where about you from originally? I'm from Edinburgh, just outside of Edinburgh in Scotland, yes. So what brought you here? What made you come out here, Helena? Initially, there was our children's centre in Dunkirk. Um, that I was in contact with and I wanted to come out for the summer because I wanted to be a teacher and then yeah just so obviously in the summer there's lots of teachers that come to Cali and so I came to the warehouse instead to find out how to be useful. You're enjoying doing this presumably? Yeah I think it's the the atmosphere and the, the ethos of people just wanting to do things and be part of yeah doing as much as possible working really hard and you've just met some amazing people and 
the reward that you get from it selfishly is really amazing too. So. That is part of it, yeah. isn't it? So people do want to volunteer. Mm-hmm. That's something that they should bear in mind. Definitely. There's such a community feel, both with the guys and with all the volunteers that are around. And, you know, we sit and eat lunch together every day. And, like, yeah, just a really nice place to come and volunteer I think even if it's just for a day so at the end of this you'll be going back to yes you? yes back to your, your normal life normal. and you're not looking forward to that um well when I left before it was quite difficult because I kind of left at the end of like there was like the eviction and lots of different things happening and so I found going back quite difficult so I'm hoping this time it will be different but yeah it is quite a thing that lots of people don't really want to go back to their commitments a lot of people come for a week and then end up staying for a year is that right <laughs> yeah okay. well that was me I came for a month and stayed for yeah about a year are you always in the warehouse at the moment yeah well I'm just back so I've done kind of some training and stuff for like field training and legal training and stuff but in the last three months I was here I was like the warehouse manager kind of consistently and so I thought this is something I know and yeah can be helpful and it's going to be summer so there's going to be quite a lot of volunteers around so yeah I think I'm going to be mostly based in the warehouse. By this time the whole warehouse was a hive of activity. Loud music boomed through the speakers and people sorted out clothing and more people wandered in. Transit vans and cars came and left dropping off clothing and supplies. In the kitchen I interrupted someone who was hard at work. So you're working in the kitchen today. What's your name? Um, my name's Abigail. Have you been here for long? I've been here about a month now, so this is sort of my first time I went on holiday and I came back. So you're actually permanently out here, it's not just the weekend? No, I'm here for, I've been here for a month and I'll stay here till August. Where about have you come from in the UK? I'm from London. And what made you come out here? What happened? I came here for a week and then I extended it for two weeks and then I extended it for three weeks and then I just like quit my job and then came back. Really? So you yeah. actually had a job and you just I, I did. Yeah, I had a job and I quit everything and came back. Why? What, what made you do that? That's a big thing to do. I know. You know what? The cause is just so big and they need people and when I like I got to the distribution my it pulled up my heartstrings and I saw how much people were in need and RCK runs such a good operation I had to get involved and I had to just like get involved 110% and that was the, the thing was it when you actually got out there yeah when you see men women children babies living in like the worst conditions but yet they're still smiling still happy when I first came it was like really cold waiting and lining up for food in the freezing cold desperate sitting outside in the freezing cold just waiting for like hot tea hot food it just and you this is European you know this is like two and a half hours from my house so this is absolutely for me it just blows my mind every time and so I had to be here and I had to do something and what do you spend your day doing I work in the kitchen most days, so we prep food. So we start at 9 o'clock in the morning and we prep the food, which is going to go out later that evening. So we peel a lot of onions, a lot of garlic. <laughs> a lot of time crying. Yeah, a lot of time crying. I'm not a very good onion peeler. so <laughs> No, still terrible, yeah. <laughs> and so then after we, um, once the food is cooked... We send it out for distribution. I have one one distribution's at three o'clock, another one's at five. And do you go out with that distribution? Yeah, yeah. It it, it alternates on days. So today I'll be going to um, Dunkirk again to distribute. We leave at three thirty, and we usually get back to um, the warehouse about seven thirty. 
And you're not being paid to do this? No, no, we're not being paid. So no. What's your life like here? Is it quite hard? Um, hard? Well, we get we get we get free accommodation, and we get food. Um, the lunch here is absolutely amazing. If you come for the day, you have to try it. And so you kind of just get by, you know. It's like a community, so everyone cooks together at home in the evening. Everyone has dinner together, and so it kind of just works out really well. I don't know, like, I've, I've never had to budget so much in my life, but it works, you know. I'm, and do you have a plan how long you're going to stay here? I, I've given myself to August, because I, I don't really have a plan, no. Like, I'm just kind of living on, just going with one it. One month to the next. Literally, yeah, one month to the next, I'm just enjoying it. The policy of not wanting another camp to form in northern France means that the French riot police are tasked with ensuring that no permanent routes are established. Everyone at the warehouse was very matter-of-fact about what they were dealing with. Ruth told me more about the situation, but first, I asked her why she'd come to Calais. I studied human rights at university, um, so it was always like something that I was really aware of. But because I was studying in Ireland, it's not as easy to get from Ireland to Calais as it is like to drive from the UK to Calais. It wasn't like I could come for just a weekend, so I had to kind of have like a, a long period of time that I would be able to come for. So when I finished studying, I worked for a few months to save some money that I'd be able to like support myself when I came here, and then I came out. So you're really kind of living the dream of what you studied, presumably, everything that you learned back there. You're now putting into practice. Um, I, I don't think you're, you're ever prepared for coming to Calais. It's a very unique situation, so it's it's quite different. In what way is it unique? Why why is it so different here? I think it's it's hard to imagine Calais and to like conceptualise what's actually happening here before you come here. The amount of people that we're supporting varies on a daily, weekly basis. It depends on the weather, it depends on all different circumstances, so it's the situation here is ever changing and you never can really know what to expect in the next in the next days. So it's not something you can really plan for. You can't think next week we're going to be cooking X amount of meals and this is going to happen. It's literally, you're on quicksand by the sound of it. Yeah, that's definitely it. I mean, even with um, distributing tents and sleeping bags, we never know when the police are going to do a clearance. So sometimes it can be multiple times for a week, then it can slow down, it can speed up. So we always kind of have to be on our toes and ready for ready for what's going to come, essentially. And we've been hearing about this all morning, we've been speaking to people, about the police clearing off people's belongings as soon as they're left on their own, I'm assuming, or do they take them off them as well? How does this work? Uh, For example, we have roughly five kind of main sites in Calais. So when a clearance happens, it's riot police, so they're called the CRS. They come in and they surround the sites where they make like almost a circle to block it off. So there's a lot of police, a lot of police vehicles. They block it off so no one else can come inside the circle essentially like volunteers and everyone else. And what they do is they take all the tents and whatever else is inside them. And most of the time they destroy them when they're, when they're doing it. So, like for example, last week we had more than four clearances, which meant that we had to go to four sites and redistribute tents and sleeping bags to everyone. And often they also have maybe extra items of clothing in their tents or their phones or their IDs, <clears throat> which also often get taken and destroyed. So the IDs are destroyed as well. Any yeah. passports or papers or Any photographs. Any photographs or their mobile phones that they use to communicate with their families. Freya, the donations coordinator, has been in Cali for over nine months. She was clear that the situation in Cali was a political crisis more than a humanitarian one. So I came here as a student. So I needed to do a year abroad in a French-speaking country because I study French and politics. And I was thinking... What can I do that is French-speaking, but will also link into politics? So this is essentially a political crisis. 
and the reason why people are here is because of politics. You know, people aren't stuck in Calais because there was an earthquake, or people aren't stuck in Calais because, you know, there were there was a famine. That they're the reasons maybe why people left in the first place, but they're stuck in Calais because of border politics. So it's a very political situation. So I thought, I have a year. I need to spend my year abroad. I want to do something that I at least feel is useful or helpful to other people. As well as coordinating donations, Freya is on the hospital run team, which helps refugees who need medical treatment. The hospital run team is all about taking people from the main distribution sites down to the hospital. So it's a place called La Paz. It's open to everyone in France, whether or not you have papers, whether or not you're a French citizen, you can go along and get free health care. So it's a really, really vital service. And what do you do? Do you find people that need that service? Do they come to you? How does that work? So we've set up in the community quite well, so people know that we're going to be there at the same time every day. People see the bus, people see us, they say, hospital, hospital, doctor, doctor, even though I'm not a doctor myself, or a driver for that matter. It doesn't matter because I'm a French speaker, so it's OK. <laughs> and that must really help, I'm assuming. Yeah, it really, really does help, because often one of the problems that we do face in hospital run is that people can get lost in the system. So if we take someone to the hospital for an appointment or for surgery, if they stay in the hospital, it's really, really important that we can find them again and make sure that they get back you know, back with their friends because it's very daunting to live in a different country where you don't speak the language, mm-hmm. especially if you're a vulnerable person. So Yes. No, I can imagine it must be very difficult. And also just getting across what's wrong with you, I think, some of the time if you haven't got the language. Yeah, so we have this, this um, problem in our team whereby communication can be quite difficult if you don't share a common language. So we've picked up words in Tigrinya or in Arabic for medical problems but also it does help people people like to point (laughs) so people will say problem here problem here and point at their heads and we're like okay you've got a headache or problem here and point at their legs and it's just a way of communication whereby you maybe can't speak the same language but you understand each other and there is that level of trust there and there has to be because you know we take people we take minors we take you know vulnerable people vulnerable adults and they leave their friends and they get in the bus with us and we have to take them and we stay with them all day and make sure they're okay, get them the medical care that they really, really need and then take them back at the end of the day. And that trust even to get in the bus must be something as well because I'd be scared, I'd, if, and especially if I'm not feeling very good and maybe you're leaving your family or your friends and you're going off with strangers. That must be quite a step for people. It is quite a step for people, so it really does help that a lot of our team have been here for a very long time. Mm. So a lot of people know us from distributions or they know us from other places. So they know they can trust us, they know we'll bring them back. Their friends have probably been to the hospital with us. We've got music in the bus, you know. It's a, it, we do have a good time, despite the fact we're taking people to the hospital. <laughs> you said you'd be there for me In times of trouble when I need you when I'm down To volunteer, email us. It's refugeecommunitykitchen at gmail.com. You can look at our website. We have refugeecommunitykitchen.com and also our social media pages. We have a great Facebook group. We have a huge network of people who care about this. Spread the word. This is a community effort to support people who need help. Don't give a damn. It's a really tough situation out here for people. Why don't people 
just say, okay, I'm going to claim political asylum in France because I'm fed up with this? Um, some people come here and they do want to claim asylum in France and sometimes people are here for a few months and they give up trying to get to the UK and they will try to claim asylum here. But most of the time you have to, you have to remember that these people are trying to get to the UK for a specific reason. So, for example, I talked to a young, um, a young man from Afghanistan a few weeks ago and he was telling me that his brothers are in the UK. So he wants to be with his family. He... His whole life has already already been destroyed in Afghanistan. His home, he's lost a lot of members of his family, and now he finally wants to be with with his brother. So that's why he wants to go to the UK. And it's the same with a lot of people from Eritrea. They have family in the UK, so people are are trying to go there for a specific reason. It's not that they just want to go to the UK. And also, when they're here in France, they have a really negative perception of France and quite a bad view because they associate police violence with France and their the terrible circumstances that they're living in with. But France as a whole, so they do want to go to the UK. A number of refugees have claimed <clears throat> asylum in France. Do you ever hear about how that works out for them and what kind of life they have afterwards? Yeah, I mean, we have, since when the big jungle was here, a lot of people did claim asylum in France, and since then we've had people come here to the warehouse to volunteer that have gotten their papers, that are studying French, or that have started working, um, working here in France. So it does work out. It just depends on the person if they want to be here or if they want to go somewhere else. That was Ruth talking about refugees who choose to stay in France. The women I spoke to ranged in ages, but many of them were young students. As a parent myself, I wondered how parents felt about them working with refugees in France. (laughs) They're really good about it. They're really, really supportive. They think that I'm doing a good thing I think but my mum is one of those mums who will tell everyone and she will hype it up she'll be like oh you know Freya Freya she's uh, working in a humanitarian crisis you know she'll tell everyone at the hairdressers and I'm just like oh mum I just you know just drive people to the hospital it's, it's alright you know but no, that's just a normal mum. She's doing yeah, a job. She's, she's, she's multiple. You she's telling everyone how great you are and embarrassing you at the same time, which is perfect. Yeah, she <laughs> she really does like to embarrass me. You know, she thinks me and my friends here are. You know, I don't know. She thinks we're running the UN essentially. <laughs> we're not. We're just a warehouse with yeah, twenty year olds in it. I don't think we're just a warehouse at all. I've only been here for the morning so far. I think saying just a warehouse is really undermining what you're doing. <laughs> great job here. I mean, we've seen people so enthusiastic here yeah. and, and mucking in and, and doing horrible jobs and enjoying <laughs> it because they think they're doing something good and they are. They are, yeah. Everyone, whether you come for a day, you know, a week, a year, the rest of your life, <laughs> everyone is doing such, such great work. And we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to run without everyone that comes here and does work here. So your other job? is about contributions, uh, I'm, I'm hearing. What, what do you do with that? So, yeah, I'm the donations coordinator. So it's my job to, like, liaise with groups in the UK and to get donations to the warehouse. So from the warehouse, our primary jobs here are to do distributions of things like clothes, tents, sleeping bags, just to make sure that people, you know, have somewhere to sleep, have a way to keep warm, have a way to change their clothes. And clothes for the guys here, for the refugees here, is really, really important because it's a way of expression as well. And it's it's really important when you have maybe limited ways to express yourself in other ways. You know, you don't have papers. You know, you're having problems with the police. You're having problems with your food. You're having problems with where you live. The way that you look can be so important in being able to fit in and make friends and just to be able to feel like yourself in a place that doesn't help you feel like yourself. 
So it's really, really important for us to be able to get lots of donations in, to get lots of clothes, to get lots of sleeping bags so that when the police take them, we can give them back out again so that people don't stay cold overnight because it's not nice to live outside in the winter. Somebody was saying something interesting earlier on that I thought was quite amusing, actually, and she was saying that the teenagers are kind of going, I'm not putting that on, I'm not going to look... <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> just youngsters being youngsters. It really I mean, is. just despite the fact that they're, I guess, homeless and in a foreign environment... Yeah. People are just people at the end of the day, aren't they? They want something nice. It really, Yeah, it really, really is important. I always think, you know, there is that phrase, beggars can't be choosers, but I really don't think it applies here. One of our main jobs is to, to give people back their dignity that's mm-hmm. been taken away in this, this political crisis. And as a 21-year-old, I know that if if someone tried to make me wear a big, baggy coat that was six sizes too big and it was bright, red and you know just clashed with my with everything else that I was wearing and you know I'd be like mm, yeah. you can't got anything else because <laughs> like, it you know it's so important and loads of the guys are so fashionable it really does help to just bring up morale and bring up that dignity in life that people really really do deserve I mean I don't want to say that skinny jeans are a human right but <laughs> I'm gonna say it <laughs> in touch with us directly at the warehouse you can email me at calaisdonations at gmail.com and just by emailing me I can tell you whatever you need to know about donations what kind of things to collect if you're in Cambridge how to get in touch with Cam Crag if you're outside of Cambridge I can tell you if there are groups closer to you that also come over We had lunch, and it was, as promised, delicious. After lunch, I spoke to Rosalie from Cambridge, who was there for the weekend with Cam Craig. So you've come across for this weekend? Yeah, just yeah. for the weekend. Mm-hmm. So today and tomorrow you've been working here. Mm-hmm. You've done it before. Yes, this is the fifth time I've been here. What on earth makes you come out here initially? What puts that idea into your head? I really worry about the problem of refugees and how they survive. Uh, especially when they've got this far and they've got their final stage that they want to make and it's the most difficult and I feel a lot of sympathy for them. Um, Many years ago we had a Chilean refugee in the 1970s as our lodger and he's lived in Britain ever since and had a great life there and contributed a lot so I'm aware of what refugees can contribute to British society. I want to give other people that chance. How long have you been doing this? You're not doing it every single week? No, no, no. Just when I can, every few months, I might come here. Um, But I also support Cam Crag in Cambridge. I go to their events and I've helped make the famous Cambridge ponchos, which are useful for refugees. Yes, we were hearing about that earlier. Great idea. Fantastic idea. Great ideas come out of Cambridge. They do, don't they? Yes. They really do. They say that all the time. Yes, in all sectors. Yes, yes, that's true. So you're here today in the warehouse. Mm -hmm. What's your job today? Um, Today I'm sorting shoes. Mm -hmm. On other occasions I've been in the kitchens putting rice in bags or chopping vegetables. It's very vibrant here in that kitchen. It is. Actually, one of the things about working for this particular 
charity area and volunteering here is that it's also great fun for the volunteers. It is, isn't it? We're just saying that with Helena, that you get something out of it as well. Actually, it's win-win. So you would encourage other people Absolutely, to absolutely. You meet really great people from all kinds of walks of life and all ages. And you made feel very welcome as well. Yeah, you? yes, yes. It's a lot of fun as well as hopefully helping other people. And finally, do you enjoy being out here? Um, it's quite a difficult question. I think in one sense, you meet so many amazing people when you're here, working here, with amazing energy and a fantastic drive to help each other and to help the people that we do. I, I don't know if enjoy is the right word. It's quite difficult sometimes. It's very like emotionally draining and it's frustrating to see that sometimes you can't make things better when you really want to. Mm-hmm. And even when we give out tents and sleeping bags and... The next day the police come and take everything away, it's, it's quite disheartening. But yeah. I think we've got a really good network of support, so it makes it, it makes it worth it. That concluded my trip to the Calais warehouse. As I left, I wondered what life would be like for the refugees without these volunteers looking out for them. Refugees, most of whom are there not by choice, but by circumstance. You're listening to Women Making Waves. 